mindfulness mode. She probably took one look at you and jumped out the window, you know, just looking at your face or just horrible, horrible things. And I was so in shock or so insecure or so whatever that I just took it. Hey, have you ever done any acting? Have you ever had that acting bug, even maybe in elementary school or high school, or you know, you got a chance to get on the stage and then you thought, man, this is just, this is just amazing. Or maybe it was like horrifying for you, I don't know, but uh, I am excited because I have an actor with me today and she's so much more than an actor, but man, can she ever talk about mindfulness and you'll find that out as we move into this, uh, this interview. I have Deborah Wanger with me today. Hey Deborah, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. I That's am. Cool. I made sure that I was when I woke up this morning. Awesome. That is fantastic. And uh, I'm just going to share a bit about you, Deborah. Deborah Wanger, like I said, is an actor, a singer. She's a certified wellness coach as well. And she's performed in theaters and cabarets across the U.S. Deborah helps actors and creatives connect mind, body, and spirit through her holistic approach to acting. She's a sought-after public speaker and talent manager where she's helped guide the careers of top Hollywood names including Donald Sutherland, Halle Berry, and Antonio Banderas. Deborah draws wisdom from decades of working as an actor, a talent manager, and a lifestyle coach. And her book, The Resilient Actor, is an Amazon bestseller, and uh, I can tell you, I, I really love this book, uh, and I love the, the subtitle, which is How to Kick Ass in the Business Without It Kicking Your Ass. <laughs> I think that's very clever. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Deborah? Mindfulness is, to me, probably synonymous with presence, really being where you are. Uh, being where your body is, having your mind be where your body is at the same time. You know, they say that um, if you're stuck in the past, you're depressed. And if you're stuck in the future, you're anxious. So to really be present and, and be aware of what you're doing while you're doing it. And at the beginning of your book, you talked about you and your life. And you talked about how happy you were when you were with a, an acting troupe and you were on stage and you were doing that. You felt like you belonged. And then... When that production was all over, you felt like you didn't belong. So yep. that sounds like such a challenge. But at the same time, it sounds like something that a lot of us could be feeling at various times in our life. And maybe even right now during coronavirus, maybe, you know, you feel disconnected from people. So, Deborah, what did you do to move through that? And I know it's all in your book, but tell us here. Absolutely. Well, I think what happens is when we identify with something outside of ourselves, I am an actor, I am a wife, I am an award-winning athlete, whatever it is. But if we label ourselves that we're successful because of something outside ourselves, if that thing gets removed, we no longer have value. We're no longer successful. We're no longer awesome because that achievement has been removed or temporarily removed. And we're all going through that right now. Like you said, a lot of, you know, tons of people are out of work. Tons of people don't have their social life. They, you know, their circumstances are completely different. Um, so what I needed to do was 
find value within myself and figure out, okay, if I'm not an actor or if I'm not that, you know, thing that I think the world values me for, what do I need to be to be enough within myself? What do I need to do to find that I'm, I'm enough, I'm okay, I'm a decent person, people still like me, I still have value to bring to the universe without whatever that label is. Um, and so for me, that was really widening uh, my skill set, widening the people I hung out with, um, finding that I was okay just as a human, just because I was born, just because, you know, to love, I'm going to get a little California woo-woo, perhaps, uh, to love myself, regardless of whether others loved me, regardless of whether other people officially gave me value, um, I had to find it within myself. Yeah, I think it was cool how you talked about, you know, you you got out of acting for a while, you got into retail, and you were like, oh my gosh, like people like me and they don't even know I'm an actor. Like, what is this about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can understand you know, it that. Was, it was the, I could have had a V8 moment, you know, it sounds yeah. so obvious, but I, I really didn't know if, um, you know, people didn't know that I could sing really high or that I could pretend to be other people, that I still had any value to bring. And People actually, I think, in some ways like me better because it was just a, it's a person and I didn't have to try so hard. Yeah. And it, and from your book, you know, you tell about how food was your drug. You yep. just, you just had a real problem with food. Tell us about that and how you moved through it. Yeah. Well, uh, food was definitely my drug of choice. Absolutely. And, you know, many of us have that hole in our soul. You know, we didn't get, enough of whatever it is that we felt, you know, not being, not feeling enough, not feeling worthy, um, pain, trauma, and the way that I chose, I didn't consciously choose it, but the way that I chose was to overeat, to compulsively overeat and to binge, um, you know, and I dealt with my eating disorder. Um, and when I was in those dark, lonely, horrible places, I would overeat a lot of sugar and you know sit down and eat a cake but you had one Um, major problem that you said you said you were not very good at vomiting I was not a good vomiter so I was not a good bulimic um I was so I just ate and and then that gave me a great opportunity to feel horrible about myself and to hate myself and say see I'm a horrible person I can't even do that and you know I know what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to exercise I'm supposed to eat vegetables and I can't do it see I'm horrible and I'm fat and no one loves me and that downward spiral. Um, and it was a lot of pain. And then you discovered putting butter in your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there were, there were a couple a couple steps along the journey before that. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I know. I, <laughs> yeah, it sounds so simple. But uh, in a way it was. But I did a lot of, I did, um, I think the 12 steps. I did some 12 step programs to help me uh, get through that. And um, a lot of the stuff I, I get into in the book uh, and then I did go on a health journey, which did ultimately lead me to Dave, the work of Dave, Dave Asprey and Bulletproof and the Bulletproof Executive, um, which is actually, yeah, which at the time was a really weird thing to do about six years ago to eat more fat or put butter in your coffee. Now it's re- relatively mainstream, which is awesome. Um, but uh, I found out if I eat, if I stay away from the sugar, which is probably the biggest trigger for me that just wax my system out and makes me want to eat all sugar in the universe um, and not stop. That if I give myself enough fat, 
enough water, enough vegetables, um, and enough things for my head, enough of the healthy things for my he- my head and my heart that I don't want or need to to binge in the same way that I did. And that led me to my whole uh, health journey and becoming a wellness coach and then thinking, people need to hear about this. People, There's got to be other people in my industry who are feeling the same way or at least somewhat the same way. Um, and no one's writing about this. No one's coaching about this. So I'm going to, I guess I got to do it. So that that's what led me to uh, starting wellness coaching for actors and uh, writing these books and um, and trying to do my share to help out. I think Maya Angelou said, if there's a book that you want to read and no one's written it, you got to write it. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but so I wrote it. Yeah. And it's a great book. And now you have a workbook that you've put out because the other book that you wrote, that was uh, The Resilient Actor, that was back in 2017 when you published it, right? Yep. And now you've got your workbook. Tell us about the workbook and how that picks up from where you left off with The Resilient Actor. Well, if you're like me, um, I will read a book that has exercises in it and I go, that is great. I should do that. And then put it on my bookshelf and never pick it up again. (laughs) I think that there are millions of people like that. (laughs) Yeah, it can be the best book ever, but you read it and it goes on the rainy day shelf and maybe someday. So I was getting feedback from people who are very, you know, I've been facilitating workshops at universities and working with a lot of students and book signings and things. And I was getting feedback, you know, help us do the process. So I took all of the exercises from the first book and I put those in there with examples of how I would fill it out and space to fill it out. So I kind of lead you through the process. And then I flesh out the process with more questions and more uh, exercises um, to help facilitate, it's like a workshop in a book to help you, a workbook to help you um, do those exercises and, and get little a little help. It's the next best thing to being there that I, I say, this is how I would answer it. Here's the space for you to do it. Um, here's, let's go a little deeper. And then the second half is how I plan my day. It's a productivity journal uh, calendar. So it helps me uh, figure out how I plan my days and my you know, healthy habits and, you know, keeping track of all the things I need to do. Um, and uh, it's been great. And so it's, it's a nice companion piece, especially for the universities who are using my book uh, as part of their acting curriculum to have a workbook for their students. To use. So are there lots of universities using your book? I don't know. I know there's some. I'm not, but uh, that's exciting. Yeah, I, it's. I I have spoken with uh, the Musical Theater Educators Alliance. Hi, everybody. Uh, the MTEA, um, and uh, there was a great response uh, with some with the teachers that I speak to that this is an area of the curriculum that is not being covered. We when you go to a, a an acting school or a professional theater program, you're hearing about how to write a resume. You're hearing about how to sing or dance or, uh, you know, nail an audition. But up until now, there's been very little discussion of how to stay healthy. Right. How, how to, to survive and move forward in spite yeah. of whatever else happens, right? Yeah. And what do you do the second year you're out, <laughs> the third year you're out, uh, in when you're having streaks of unemployment, when the money's not so good or when um, your spirits are down. It's you know, And 20 years, 30 years, you know, into the career when it's it there's challenges how do you deal with it so um that's that was that's my mission is to help with those life skills for career longevity and career enjoyment 
Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, the Miami Herald uh, called you the comic spark plug. I think that's cool. Do you (laughs) love doing comedy the most? You know, I love the variety. I love that I can do silly, crazy comedy sometimes and then um, do serious, real drama, almost operatic stuff. I I enjoy the variety of stuff. Um, And that's one of the things I love about live theater um, is that it, or just any acting is that it, it comes in so many different packages. What was the last role you did? The last thing I did was I got to play the queen of England (laughs) uh, in a British comedy called handbagged, um, at a little theater in in, at Moxie theater in San Diego. Uh And it was a, an evening with Margaret Thatcher and queen Elizabeth, uh, bickering about, you know, it's kind of a, she said, she said about, uh, their time together in history. And I learned a ton about British history that I had no idea. And it was with a very talented group of actors and a lovely director. And, um, we kind of got to do a comic version of the crown and it was, it was a, a kick in the pants for sure. Sounds like a, a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 And it, do you have any roles coming up? No, um, unfortunately, um, live theater is one of the industries that's been completely halted a hundred percent by, um, by the virus, by, um, and unfortunately, uh, live theater is one of the last things that's going to come back uh, because you need to gather a group of people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even when the health officials and the government says it's officially safe, people are going to be very reluctant to gather yeah. and it's heartbreaking to find an industry that, and there's, there's several industries that are just like the restaurant industry took a huge hit and there's, you know, sports and there's a lot of industries that were hit very hard, but you know, Broadway is dark till at least September. Uh, there's, it's very likely that nothing's going to be performing until 2021 at least. Well, and the, so, the scary thing is that a lot of actors sort of fall back on the restaurant industry if they don't have a role, right? Right. right. So um, a lot of people have have a, a second income, which I think is, which I advise, I think. Um, but yeah, the rest, restaurants are great second income for actors because they're usually pretty flexible mm-hmm. and you get to kind of perform at the table. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people who are double hit. And um, so I have a, dozens of friends who had wonderful things lined up for the summer or for the fall and it's just poof, it's gone. And um, all these theaters are hopefully going to rise up and, and um, as soon as it's safe to do so, we'll, we'll um, have art again. And, um, and there's some amazing things going on right now with Zoom project, you know, Zoom theater and um, streaming online. And there's a lot of things that needs to be worked out with the union and stuff to, to make those things happen. So what's and- something cool that just any random person can do with, you know, to get involved with something like that? Right now? Yes. Yeah, that's the challenge. Um, there, Zoom and Google Meetup and, and FaceTime and things like that, they're, they're still a little crude. They're, they're designed for, you know, one-on-one meetings. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, let's talk about the budget report one at a time. So it's challenging when you're doing things that are emotional and personal and, you know, <laughs> doing a play. But you can still do a play reading. You can still um, create art or music. There's... Um, there's groups out there who are 
they send out a, a like a karaoke track and each person will record in by themselves in their home and then someone will edit it together so it's kind of like they're singing together right. so you um it can still be done it's not the same no. it's not the same as you know it's i it's like having church you, you know church on online is wonderful and if you have a magnetic pastor it's still useful and important but it's just not the same as the group as this the tri getting the whole tribe together yeah that's and for sure. um and uh it's it's heartbreaking it's sad it's lonely and we need to just keep the faith that um we will we will rise again we will yes this too <laughs> will pass it definitely will yeah. well tell me tell us a story about someone that you have coached someone that has really been in a dark place and you've been able to help them move to a, a much more happy place um i worked with an actor who was a hundred pounds overweight mm -hmm. and felt like there was um, that that was just the way it's going to be. And there were a lot of things that he felt like, well, that's just the way I am. And, uh, you know, I was just designed this way. And um, we worked through um, having him drink bulletproof coffee and doing some intermittent fasting and um, some meditation and just little healthy habits, little baby steps. And uh, I think he, he lost... 80 pounds and got off his medications and was just much happier. And, um, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much and, and I have to be sure. respect my clients confidentiality. Uh, but I think it really helped him to turn the light back on again. So you know, what is it about bulletproof yeah. coffee that makes that a good first step? At least it sounds like maybe that's a first step. That's the first thing you mentioned. For a lot of people. Well, uh, um, Having enough fat in your diet, healthy fat, um, with I find with the right people, and you know you have to do what's right for you and check with your doctor and blah 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 blah, um, just to cover my butt. Um, that it, when you have adequate fat, your brain, your brain is primarily fat. It's fat and water mostly. Um, and if you don't have enough fat, your brain isn't working. So when you and you're hungry. So when you get adequate fat and it's healthy fat, it, so it's coconut oil and grass-fed butter and, you know, MCT oil and, or avocados or nuts, you know, the healthier fats, not, not the junk fat, not the, the Crisco and the lard and the, you know, this, the stuff you see in the shelf that's, um, that grandma used to cook with, um, you know, no Westernality. Um, but it, when your, your brain gets adequate fat, it turns on again. You can think straight. You can deal with cravings. And when your body gets adequate nutrition and fat, you're not going to be cra craving the junk. You're not going to be craving the sugar or the, the bad things. And then you can you get your brain turned back on. You can start to have the energy to work on the good habits. And so all, and if you're doing intermittent fasting, is it okay to have some fat in that fasting time period? It depends what kind of fasting you're doing. There's actually, there's different brands of fasting. So there's complete fasting, like water fasting, which um, it, for the appropriate person is good in, in short, short bursts. Um, but th which would be the intermittent fat and like intermittent fasting, like d delaying breakfast after dinner, you don't eat again till 10, 11, whatever is right for your body and for your needs. Uh, fat does not affect the blood sugar in the same way that carbohydrates and protein do. So 
it's a modified fasting. It's not the same as fasting where you're having or abstaining from all calories because obviously fat and bulletproof coffee and things like that will have calories in mm -hmm. it. So it will stop a complete fast, but it will not affect your insulin or your blood sugar. So because fat does not have that same impact. So it will continue a modified fast. So especially for people who are just starting, who are like, I can't just not eat for several hours. If you have the bulletproof coffee or some uh, source of fat without carbohydrates or protein, then you can still continue a modified fast and that will give your body some nutrition and some something to, to work with um, while you continue a modified fast. Is that clear? Did yeah, that yeah, yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. I've never done the bulletproof coffee thing. So uh, I'm quite intrigued by it. And <laughs> and you're the person to talk to because you're a trained trainer in this area, right? Yeah. I actually was one of the first 50 people that got certified as a bulletproof coach. I was an early adopter to that. I, um, I had a, <clears throat> a friend who I, I uh, casually coached on how to do it. And he's like, you're really good at this if you should be a coach. And I said, well, they don't have a coaching program, but if they ever do, I'll be the first one in line. And they did. And I did. So, um, and have I, you uh, met Dave a bunch of times. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's lovely. He's getting busy. He's quite the rock star. He's, uh, he's a busy dude, but, yeah, um, he really thinks outside the box, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's not afraid to say, uh, you know, just because it shouldn't work doesn't mean it doesn't. Um, and you know, it's okay to question and try stuff. And, you know, it, if all the things my nutritionist or my doctors or conventional medicine was telling me weren't working, you know, I tried just, well, eat less and exercise more and that just didn't work. Um, so maybe, maybe we should try something else. So I'm like, you know what? I've tried everything else. I'll, I'll try eating more fat. Why not? And, uh, and he backs it up with science and studies. He doesn't just say, you know, put a purple hat on and you'll be skinny or whatever. I mean, he has a, yeah. a lot of <laughs> um, a lot of science and, and research to back it up. But I tried it and it works. So it, or at least do you, it works. Do you sell those purple hats, by the way? <laughs> no, but I have all my time to sew them, right? Yeah. <laughs> do a little purple hat mask combo. What well, we it is it is so weird though. Like what you say is when you you exercise more, you eat less. You exercise more, you eat less. Like I swear, sometimes your body is just saying, "Look, I'll show you." You know, you can eat less all you want. You can exercise all you want. I'm just not budging. Like it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, what what's left out of that equation is we're not just, it's not just a mathematical equation. That's a piece of it, but we have hormones and we have, you know, all, you know, we, we've, all that fight or flight stuff that goes through our body. And when we have cortisol and epinephrine and all these things, and we tell our body like, Oh my God, we're being chased by a tiger, which I'm sure you've been aware mm -hmm. about the, all the fight or flight and stuff and all the things we do to help our brains. Um, when our body feels like there's a threat, like, oh my goodness, we're in a famine or we're being chased by a woolly mammoth or something, it's going to say, well, don't lose weight now. There's a famine coming, right? Or there's all these elevated hormones. It, it matters what we eat and it, it totally matters what our mindset is and um, what our brain and our body are doing. And so it you is must totally believe in caffeine then as being a positive thing. Um, yes, and, but it doesn't mean... 72 gallons of, of coffee in an IV at all times. Um, caffeine is a tool. Um, I don't think caffeine is 
horrible. I, I do cycle on and off it. I just actually was decaf for a few weeks and trying to, you know, give my body a little break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have caffeine after 2 p.m. Um, and I advise that to other people because sleep is the most important thing for for our health and wellness and sanity um, and immunity which is really important right now. But um, I do think caffeine is a tool and in moderation, it can really help with mood and metabolism and brain function and all that. But it's, it's not a, with, with everything, it's not all or nothing. It's not a free pass to just go bananas. And that's not uh, frappuccinos and, you know, 85 grams of sugar in a, in a cup of coffee either. So, but use judiciously, I am pro caffeine. Well, I, I love your book, how you, you talk about all these different things. You talk about health. You One of your chapters is get your healthy head on. And then you, uh, you move on and, and you talk about mindset, manage your mindset. How do we yep. do that? Well, isn't mindset so much, it's everything. I mean, it's all about this, the story we tell ourselves and how we interpret things. And um Choosing to interpret things in a positive way, even if, um, you know, if you don't get a part, it's not because I'm a horrible person and no one loves me and I'll never work again, but that it's, I wasn't right for this one or it wasn't the right time or there was someone who fit it better or whatever. Um, but it's, it's choosing positive stories that we tell ourselves because everything gets a story, you know, everything has a story behind it and choosing positive stories or positive affirmations or positive interpretations of everything yeah i i think it's cool how you laid your book out with with the theater in mind so you've got <laughs> intermission in there and you got uh finale and all these you know it's very cool yeah we just you know just you had a little fun, fun with it yeah yeah and we're doing it in scenes instead of just chapters yeah yeah that's how i roll and then a play on on the phrase practice makes perfect and so instead of that, practice makes progress. Yeah. And yeah, because pract- we can practice something endlessly and we're not going to get perfect at it necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think trying to be perfect serves anyone. Right. I think that just gives us a great opportunity to be mean to ourselves because, see, that's why I suck because I'm not perfect. You yeah. know, Martha Stewart's perfect or so-and-so is perfect or the the women I see on the cover of the magazine are perfect. How come I can't be perfect? So therefore I'm a lousy, horrible human being and I should go do all these bad things. Right. Yeah. I should. So, um, I, I thought I had to be perfect. I thought I had to be perfect for people to like me, but actually when you try to be perfect, it really pisses people off. Oh, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It totally does. And, uh, speaking of perfect, Tell us about a bullying story. Do you have a story in your life where either you were a bully or you were bullied and maybe things weren't so perfect? Maybe Gosh, mindfulness maybe. made a difference. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to, to think of mindfulness, how that fits into it. But when I was 11 years old, I lost my first friend to suicide. Oh, wow. She was 12 years old. And I remember I had gone to one of my first funerals, and it was the first time I'd ever been in a Catholic church, which was just cold. And I remember the frankincense oil, you know, from the, and the, the 
sadness of, you know, the, the grief and the seeing this family just completely destroyed and, you know, all this. And then I, my mother made the choice for me to go back to school that day. Oh. Uh, she was just trying to have me be normal, I guess, yeah. or, you know, she, that was the choice she made. And I was still dressed up in my party dress or whatever, my, what, what you wear to a funeral outfit. Yeah. And there were some boys in my class who definitely noticed that I was different, right? I was dressed up. Why are you dressed up? And I'm, I told them why, and they, that I'd been to a funeral and they started making fun of me and they started saying just horrible things, which I now know in hindsight is my adult self is that they were trying to deal with just an unimaginable situation. You know, oh, well, they probably, she probably took one look at you and jumped out the window, you know, just looking at your face or just horrible, horrible things. And I was so in shock or so insecure or so whatever that I just took it. I, I didn't uh, fight back or say anything. And, you know, now I would say, I would just tell the teacher and say, well, these guys, or just stand up yeah. and, you know, and say, you guys are being first class jerks. I went through a horrible situation. How dare you make fun of a, you know, of someone who's in such a horrible situation. Um, but I didn't have the, I was 11 years old, you know, I didn't have yeah. the skills. I didn't have the presence of mind. I didn't have the whatever to stand up to these, these boys at the time. And, um, I don't know, perhaps if I had been more mindful, um, that I would have just tell them to take a hike, um, and, and much less pleasant words. Cause who would begrudge me for telling them to say, um, that that's inappropriate. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I carried that with me for a long time, but holy cow, that had nothing to do with me. You know, that was of some kids, some really young kids dealing with, with an awkward situation. But, um, wow, that's a really sad story. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is a sad story, but it's, it's impactful pain, too. Yeah. It's pain, very pain, impactful. Extra pain, but, um, they're, you know, the one, the, the one gift from it, because I choose to see a gift in most things, if I can, even if you have to search really hard, is that I can empower my own children to speak up. And that I, one of my daughters was actually dealing with some cyberbullying at school. Uh, she had some girls who were texting her some pretty rude stuff. And, um, and we're trying to get her in trouble by enticing her to, to text some lurid things back and she was like oh i don't know they're not they don't mean that much harm or she was not willing to to step up and i really encouraged her to claim her space and assert herself and that's not okay and it all you know don't let these people say these things and and um we made some some changes and 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 went through appropriate channels with it uh with the head of school and mm -hmm. and and things like that. And um, so that's a gift that I could give to her is, no, it's not okay. And that's not normal. And and um, you need to speak up. And you're worth it. And people can't can't treat you that way. Yeah, I'm glad it, I, you were able to help her and that she wasn't just, you know, hiding it to the point that you didn't know about it and that kind of thing. Because that can happen too. Oh, yeah. But, and it yeah. did for a little while. And um, yeah. uh, thank goodness I was able to... 
I had that I had that there's enough trust there that she was able to share it with me. And then I, right. I had her back. Right. That's awesome. Well, Mindful Tribe, go to DebraWanger.com and check out her website and check out the book, which is so terrific, The Resilient Actor. And Debra is D-E-B-R-A, Wanger, W-A-N. G-E-R, DebraWanger.com. Now, Deborah, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 seconds. Answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Okay. Uh, who is one person that has been a positive mindfulness influence in your life? Emily Fletcher, who runs the Ziva uh, School of Meditation. She does an, And she's doing a lot of stuff in the online space right now. She's got some great online courses. The way she speaks about mindfulness and meditation um, in a real, real world way, she's not threatening or woo-woo or out there. She's, it's real practical. And, I, I, and she's a, an ex-Broadway showgirl. So she, um, uh, the way she explains it and the way she um, approaches it. So I'll give a shout out for Emily Fletcher at Ziva, Z-I-V-A. Z-I-V-A. Mm-hmm. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I think the biggest thing is, is with the presence and uh, being able to take my brain back. When the thoughts and the monkeys hijack my brain, mindfulness is a way for me to calm myself, get centered, and, and reclaim my brain. Let's talk about breathing. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice, Deborah? Oh, it's huge. Um, and that's where I tell people to start, actually. Um, and that's the least expensive, lowest impact, easiest uh, way is to just breathe through your nose. When um, our sympathetic nervous system takes over and we are feeling like there's a threat, we are not breathing well and we're, we're panting or we're moving our chest. But just to reclaim breathing through our nose, taking slow, deliberate breaths through our nose, and telling your body it's safe, I'm in charge, we're okay, no one's chasing us, we're safe, that is when, um, that's where it all begins. So um, breathing is where it's at, baby. Oh, it sure is. Uh, If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I really like the work of Rick Hansen. He talks about um, both about mindfulness and I just, uh, he has some stuff that's in like little bite-sized chunks that I really appreciate, but I like the I like his approach. Rick Hansen. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com, Mindful Tribe. Mm-hmm. Last question, can you share an app which can help with mindfulness? Yeah, um, well, I'm a gadget girl. I love technology and um, biohacking and things like that. So the expensive one that I would mention is uh, Nucalm, N-U-C-A-L-M, which is a combination of binaural beats and um, and it's a whole it's a whole system, but it's it's very expensive. But it's how much is it? Bomb. Oh, it's like four grand or something. But it's oh. you know for the whole thing, it might be less. I don't, but it's that, that's it's cool. And how <laughs> it, is it spelled it is again? N-U-C-A-L-M. Okay. Um, and that it's all, it's, you've got the headphones and the, and, uh, the eye mask, and they also have either a cream or, a uh, a, a disc that, that will help you, uh, with has like GABA and different hormones in it to help you to calm down. So that's like the high end, super duper amazing one. So I take it, you must have that then. Well, I told you I'm a gadget girl. I got all kinds yeah, of, yeah. Cause that's, I mean, I, that's awesome. I get, I get uh, good coach 
prices on on things so that helps Uh, and then the moderate priced one is the muse m-u-s-e which um and i don't think that it's it doesn't have to be used all the time but it's a great way to feedback and that's like a three hundred dollar investment something around there but it's a headband um that you can wear and attach to your phone that will give you feedback on on how your brain is doing and you'll actually hear the beach or hear weather and when you're um your mind is wandering or you're thinking too much the weather will get stormy and when when you calm your mind down the weather gets calm and you hear the birds chirping and so you it's get very feedback. cool isn't it <laughs> yeah so it's a it's yeah. a it's a training tool yeah and i have then, that yeah and then the you know the, the inexpensive one is just get your butt in the seat right <laughs> yes <laughs> just, and sometimes that's the most effective one because absolutely. you just have to do it you just have to do it you just have to do it and it's a practice yeah. it's not yeah. um it, it's it's not a it's not the final product it's the practice right right well it's sure been fun talking to you deborah and you've done so many fascinating things in your life as i learned when i read your book and uh so i haven't seen your workbook yet but um i i think that must be awesome because like you say a lot of times you just have to take action and do exercises and do things to work through so that you can improve yourself right yeah, and you just have to do it. And um, there's nothing like pen and paper, you know. Yeah. To, to, um, but I, the book's on Amazon and the workbook's on Amazon or through my website. So we'll get you a copy. We'll take care of you, Bruce. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's, <laughs> that's great. And hey, didn't you do a recording of your book? I did. I just released an audio version of it, which was really fun um, to get in the studio and get to read the book because, I mean, I few and fewer people are actually sitting down with a book book and paper and it you know, can be jogging or washing your dishes or d- driving in those days when we used to commute remember um and listening to the audiobook so um that was a lot of fun and it was an interesting discovery when i was reading it like hey some of this stuff is okay that's that's some smart stuff i should i should try I it's more that. than okay deborah it's, <laughs> it's a great book it's a great book so i, I understand you've got uh you're going to give a couple of those away yeah, if, if if anybody listening to this wants to um, shoot over to my website and uh, contact me through the website at mail at com, I will be happy to send out a few uh, a few copies of the audiobook to help That's people awesome. in this challenging time. So I'm That's happy very generous that. of you. Well, we're all doing what we can, you know. It's yeah. um, we're all going to get through. The only way to get through this is together. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Deborah, it's been fun being together today <laughs> to do this interview. I really enjoyed the book. I enjoyed talking to you and all the very, very best to you as you move forward and stay healthy, Deborah. Well, thank you. You too. It's great being mindful with you. Thanks. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.